0: Welcome to the peaceful power podcast i'm your host andrea clausen and today i'm chatting with amber Lillistrom. peaceful power podcast is here to help you live a movement-based lifestyle utilizing fitness yoga and ayurvedic techniques each week i will bring you a motivational guest or a solo show geared to help you take action to live that peaceful powerful life amber is a transformational branding strategist and business coach author, and speaker. So she was my coach the past year, and um, she is a powerhouse. So we chat everything about um, how she kind of came into starting her own business, and it's a really powerful story, I feel. With the birth of her daughter and kind of the rebirth of herself. And then we also chat about how we can kind of help come home to ourselves. So, so many times we are looking for outside validation and looking for answers outside of ourselves instead of really turning into um, ourselves and what we actually want for our lives. And so we chat about, you know, tips and tricks to really help that make that happen um, in your life. So, Hopefully, you guys get as much information and um, join one of her master classes. So, we also chat about her monthly master classes that she's having now, um, and they are free. So, if you guys want to know a little bit more how to work with Amber, that would be a really great way to kind of start getting some more information. And tips that she has because she's really good live and she's a great teacher. So I've heard her speak a couple times and, um, you know, really does have that infectious energy and um, that makes you really want to dive deeper into whatever she's talking about. So enjoy today's conversation and I will meet you at the end. Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm super excited today. I have Amber Lillistrom on with me today and she was also my coach this past year. So I'm going to kind of kick it over to you, Amber, because I love your story, and I want you to kind of share a little bit about your story and your background and how you got to kind of what you're doing right now. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm
1: so excited to be here. I'm so honored. Thank you, sister. I love you, and it's just such a joy that we get to know each other and we get to work together in so many sacred ways, so thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so my story uh, in a netty little shell. Um, <laughs> I, much like you, am a an athlete, and I really um, that was a big part of my identity growing up. Having parents who are both athletes themselves, um, it really kind of framed my orientation to life in many ways, and also achievement. So I think that's an important part to share in the story. And. Uh, throughout my adolescence and all, I was a, a soccer player, and I was really um, just, you know, super committed. Soccer was my salvation. It was my therapy. It was my healing, and also my my classroom, a place where I learned so much about myself and about what my what I was capable of. You know, my resiliency, and also about teamwork and all those amazing life lessons. Um, and so, after I played soccer in college, I was a Division One athlete. Um, at the University of New Hampshire. I graduated and I had no idea really what I was going to do. I applied to grad school uh, just because it's kind of like the thing you do when you don't know what you're going to do. So I had that as my backup, but uh, ultimately it wasn't what I really wanted. Uh, I did it. I applied for teaching just because I had been coaching and done substitute teaching, and I really loved mentoring people. Um, But I honestly didn't know what I was going to do, and I had this great opportunity to have an interview for a position in the athletic department, which I had been involved in student leadership in the athlete um, area, the student athlete advisory council. I was the president of that as a student in college. And so I'd made a lot of really good relationships with my um, the administrators and the various folks who worked in the athletic department. And I ended up uh, interviewing for a job, but not realizing I was actually interviewing for a job. I thought I was just going in and connecting, meeting somebody uh, that worked in the department and who ended up ultimately becoming my boss. And I got the job um, of becoming the marketing coordinator for the division one athletic department at UNH. I ran all of the promotions, the on court, on field, on ice, entertainment, um, fan experience, uh, all of the, you know, I did all the graphic design for posters and for anything that really like touched the fan base I was externally facing and I also created an internship program. I, I invented one of our new mascot, Gnarls, uh, which coincidentally a whole different story, but Ben was actually the first Gnarls for the first like three years of Gnarls' existence. Ben's my husband. So just really fun and, and funny. But the big, the big part about that job um, was that I got to be part of a culture and I got to create community and I got to mentor students in not just you know how to run an a on-ice promotion, but how to, you know, to position themselves for the career that they wanted to help them overcome their own mindset limitations, their own scarcity thinking, their own you know fears and limitations. And I also taught sport marketing at the university. So it's like I, the, the work that I do today, so much of it was um, from the seeds that were planted during my days as an administrator at UNH. And um, in 2013, uh, I was pregnant with our daughter, um, Ani. And throughout my pregnancy, you know, I had been feeling even in the few years before that, all of these nudges and all of these taps that were telling me, you're here for so much more. There's more for you to be doing. You're making an impact at your job, but this container is too small. You know, you want to break out of it, but I had no idea, you know, what that even meant, what that looked like. I, I, didn't know how to be an entrepreneur. I didn't know how to launch a business or any of these things. I just, you know, I I was really confused. And so I I think it's an important part of the story to speak to because I was very much plugged into the corporate model. I was being groomed to become a division one athletic director at the time. Um, And then I had this moment of realization that I didn't want to sit in that chair and that job wasn't actually the one that I wanted, but I just kind of said yes to it because it seemed like the most logical thing to say yes to. And I'm certain that there are people listening to this and maybe you too personally, Andrea, that how many times in our lives have we just kind of like gone with the flow Mm -hmm. because it felt like the most logical thing to do, the most cost-effective thing to do. And because other people who were well-intentioned or had, you know, credibility in one way or another thought that that's what we should do, you know? And so, um, I was on that path and I was now pregnant and really uncomfortable And starting to have so much more clarity, which I think that's what pregnancy does. (laughs) Children are such an incredible um, clarifying tool, I would say, in our lives. They come in and they help us really recognize what matters most. And so um, the story goes like this. On my daughter's birthday, it was the day before my due date. It was about 7 a.m. And I was feeling awful. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. And I laugh now because I was just, I just didn't know. And I'm texting my sister-in-law who is an ER nurse. And I'm saying, I feel really bad. I have these awful cramps and I just can't figure out what's going on. And so she asked me, "Uh, how how far apart are your cramps? And I said, oh, they're like five minutes apart. (laughs) She said, okay, so you're in labor. Those are called contractions. And I'm like, oh, but I had created this story in my mind that Um, because I, at the time I was, I was really hard on myself and I was not someone who would give myself the benefit of the doubt. I pushed myself so, so hard. I had had a 15 year eating disorder from my adolescence up until I was about 30 that was always in the shadow, you know, of me just beating myself up and controlling myself and trying to be this perfectionist. And so I'm now in labor, but I had told myself a story, Andrea, that I was going to be late, because my whole life, my mom had been telling me the story that I was three weeks late and that I never wanted to come out. And I thought, well, my kid's going to be the same exact way. Mm-hmm. So I just didn't even put two and two together on the day before my due date that I was in full-blown labor spontaneously, like just went into labor. So at this point now, I, don't, I had to drive myself to the hospital and I back myself out of the, the garage. I, go, I wait at stop signs through contractions. I get to the hospital. I get admitted. And, uh, everything's progressing really well. You know, like I, I was like six centimeters right when I got there, suddenly I was nine. And then they're like, we're going to break your water. Like let's get this show on the road because you're, you're doing great. The baby's doing great. So I'm like, okay, wow. I can't believe this is happening in a normal fashion. Like I'm always the person that has problems. Like literally this is my line of thinking, right? So law of attraction is. Really working in my favor back then, (laughs) as you'll hear how this story unfolds. So um, I pushed for about almost four hours and uh, realized that Ani, you know, she's not coming out, she's face up, and it's now her heart rate's not going back down. It's staying very high. I am not doing well. I have a fever at this point, and I can't stop vomiting, and Mm -hmm. I'm getting really tired. And so I felt this wave of relief when they were like, we're going to go do a C-section. And I'm like, okay, I kind of figured that would happen. I used to be the other shoes going to drop kind of person. Mm -hmm. And so they wheel me into the operating room and, you know, Jack Johnson music is playing and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. It's like, this is one of my wedding songs. Like, this is my magical day I've waited my whole life for. Like, okay, it's not, I'm not birthing her the way I wanted to, but I'm having a baby. This is amazing. We're going to meet her so soon. Like I get to rest soon. And so they administer um, the spinal tap, they lay me back down on the table or the epidural, but you know, in your spine, they lay me back down on the table. And I start to notice very quickly that uh, I'm feeling this intense pressure and shortness of breath in my chest. It was almost like, I could just feel my breath getting shorter and shorter. I couldn't take a deep breath. And I noticed at the same time that now the Jack Johnson music is off, And I hear my surgeon ask the anesthesiologist before the surgery has even begun, what can I do to help? And before I even really start to compute what the significance of that statement means in the scenario of what's happening in this operating room, I have a bag valve mask over my face and a nurse's hand pumping it, breathing for me because I couldn't breathe on my own at this point. And within moments of that, I black out and I'm now unconscious. And I'm laying in this room And I am, I'm in this sheer state of complete disbelief because this is not how I planned it. This is not how I imagined it to go. And the first thing that happened and the first thing that really sort of shot across my consciousness in that moment was you're not doing it. You're not doing what you know you're here to do. And now you're not going to get a chance. You're not going to get a chance to meet your daughter. You're not going to get a chance to write that book. You're not going to get a chance to live the life that you have been dreaming about since you were a five-year-old. And I'm going to pause here to share an important part of my story. When I was three and a half years old, I was sexually molested by my child care provider, which was an extended family member. And uh, I you know, shared with my parents what had happened uh, at such a young age. And my parents both you know, stood behind me and um, stood up for me and helped me to get Justice, if you will, uh, which looked like me being a five-year-old testifying in court, and and I think about that now because I'm the mother of a five-year-old at the time of this conversation, and I think about how I cannot even imagine my five-year-old daughter standing in front of a room full of adults sharing this kind of a story alone because her parents can't come in the room because that's part of the law, and I, I just don't even understand how that happened. But what I do know is that. I had a a deeper knowing at a very young age and I was able to tap into something to get through that. And that was with me all the days of my life. And that's part of the reason why I was able to become a soccer player at the level that I did. I really believe it was a huge part of the reason why I was able to achieve a lot of the things that I achieved because I had this inner knowing. I had this inner strength and resiliency that I think is pretty rare. Um, But what came with that, as I mentioned earlier, was also this anxiety and this, this hyper vigilance and this need to control. So there's always like the the dark and the light and the, the shadow side of that comes with some of those things. And I've had to learn how to mitigate and manage that part of it to really focus on the strength piece of it. So this is coming through. I have this deep knowing my whole life of who I really am, what I'm capable of, what I'm here to share. I went through this experience, not for nothing, so that I can share it with other people so that they can free themselves so that they can recognize that their life doesn 't have to always feel like you know victimhood that they can they can rise above the circumstances that happen to them, this is like core beliefs that i 've always had and here I am laying on this operating room table, strapped down, unable to breathe, and not sure if i 'm actually going to survive to meet my child and to hold her for the first time so i 'm in this space of uncertainty and and honestly a feeling of frustration and rage. And suddenly it just starts to dissolve and kind of melt away. And I see my husband and I see my parents and I just start to feel this sensation of love replacing that, that sensation of anger and fear that I was feeling. And I'm just being enveloped in love and gratitude and, and this knowing that no matter what, everything is going to be okay, that, uh, my child has the the perfect father for her that if I'm not here, Ben will take care of her. My parents will help him. Like I just, all of this clarity just came in and I felt totally held and I felt totally loved. And I just felt at peace and at ease, which is amazing how quickly that happened with the dichotomy of how empty it felt. But then suddenly everything just wa- like infused with light. And I went into a complete and, and total state of surrender. And I, in that moment was willing to, to, to transition. I was willing to ascend. I was really willing to die, uh, because I just knew that everything was going to be okay. And it was literally like someone had flipped a switch. When I got to that place of total and utter surrender, the switch flipped and I was conscious. I was awake. I was breathing on my own and I was in the operating room again. I never left, but in my mind and my consciousness, I did. And I heard the anesthesiologist standing behind me yell, go, go, go to the surgeon. She began the procedure. And within moments, Ani was born. And I quickly yelled to the people to let Ben come in because he hadn't been there for all of this. And Ani was alive and born. And and so was I. It was like so much had changed. um, Yet it was in moments and I hadn't articulated any of what had happened in that, that snippet. And I didn't even have any real conceptualization of like how to unpack that. It took time to get there, but that is, that's, that's was a huge catalyst in my life, that moment. And I'm just going to pause in case you have any questions about that before I continue on with the story.
0: Yes. Uh, that's such a powerful story. And, um, I think my first question is just what in the back of your head while that was all happening, like, were you kind of aware that like stuff was going on? Or were you like completely removed from the situation? Just really, like all of this hit you like I need to I'm not doing my life's purpose. Like how did that kind of come about? Or were you kind of half in half out? Or how would you describe that?
1: Yeah, I was all in on that clarity. <laughs> I was not I was not in the operating room um, at all in my consciousness at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I would say it it I felt it sort of transition to being all there. There was a moment where I was like fighting the back and forth because I was so mad and I was also like, no, you know, like that that resiliency, that that fight in me and fighting, like, no, I'm not, I'm not gonna go down like this, you know? Um, and I remember actually whispering to the anesthesiologist just before I before I was unconscious, I said, uh, I, I whispered to him, You're killing me. Mm-hmm. And I remember that. And, I, and I, I think often, you know, like what that must have felt like for him to hear me say that, you know, yeah. um, because what I learned later was that in this particular anesthesiologist's 20 year career, I was the first high spinal that he had ever had. Oh my gosh. And so I know that none of that is an accident um and i don't know what his end of the story is and why he needed that to happen but i know i needed it to happen because i was just on this track of um i didn't know how to break out of it and i was really stubborn i mean i was i was stubborn and i i was committed to my own suffering in many many ways i had achieved so many things but beneath the surface i wasn't really
0: happy mm-hmm.
1: you know i liked the work i was doing i loved making the impact and serving people but i was I was just crushing myself. I wasn't healthy, in um, deep down, in many ways, I was healthy enough to conceive a baby. We we did fertility treatment, um, and that was miraculous in and of itself too. But I, there was just so much that was out of alignment, and so this was honestly, you know, Abraham Hicks calls a near death experience a quantum leap in consciousness, and um, that's really what it was. And I've read a lot about near death experiences, and. What is reported over and over and over again is, is very much exactly what I shared at, around this, this feeling of surrender
0: mm-hmm.
1: and this feeling of, um, you know, Brendan Burchard very publicly talks about his own story of when he was in the car accident and how he's like, asked the question, did I live, um, did I love, did I matter? Mm-hmm. And how he was, you know, in, sort of like in the pool of his own blood, he could see the reflection of the moon and, um, and he just kind of went into that space of surrender too and yeah, I, I, it's one of the most profound blessings of my life because it just got everything in order. And it helped me realize that, you know, I was spending so much time doing things that were not really what were for my highest calling and my highest purpose. And uh, I've recalibrated my life in every way and all, in every aspect. And I continue to do that. It's a, it's a continual commitment process. Um, but what it's done is it, it's allowed me to live my life in the present. And when I left my career, so fast forward about eight months after that um, experience, I left my job and I launched my business with one client. and, And it was a bold leap, but it also just felt like the only option because I knew that if I didn't walk away from the thing that was requiring me to spend 40, 50 hours of my life to it every single week, you know the sky was the limit on what I was going to be able to create with that amount of time, um, so it took a shift in courage and also in in just knowing that um, I had to step into my purpose because it wasn 't actually helping anybody not living fully into my purpose
0: mm. and that I feel like that shift that you made in actually quitting your job and you know starting your business. I feel so many people get stuck in that transition, like they might have had that moment probably, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe not a near death experience, but maybe they had that kind of shift, but then they kind of like freeze. They're like, Oh, this is what I should be doing. But maybe they just, you know, that pull just sticks them right where they are and they are too afraid to leave. Do you have any like tips around that or how you can kind of help make that shift? If you know, you're not doing what you should be doing.
1: Well, what it's going to require is, um, Massive upgrades in your energy in terms of your physical state and the way that you you operate in your physical body and in your mindset, you know, in the two are so intimately connected, as you know. And so I knew that um, I had to be around people that were going to be, you know, successful, essentially, at what it was I was wanting to do. And it it was like the definition of insanity to stay in a place where. The people that I was you know, working with, they didn't value the same things that I was valuing. They didn't understand. I mean, most of them are still there. You know, they're still mm-hmm. in that career path, and some of them love it, and some of them don't, and that's okay. You know, they are where they are, um, but if I stayed in that environment and I didn't surround myself with people who were successful at what it was I wanted to do, it was going to be a lot harder. So I, I enrolled in a program. I started working with a coach, and I was doing this, mind you, in the the nooks and crannies of my life because I was still in a full time job. I had, mind you, like a five to seven month old, right in those months when I was really building this thing, um, who was not a great sleeper. And I mean, what five to seven month old is? <laughs> my husband was working a night shift as a police officer, and so I was like burning the candle at both ends and beyond. But I just knew that I had to spend these months working my butt off because it was going to make way for the future that I was dreaming into. And I mean, I say this on a day like today, which is, I just love so much that we're having this conversation today because I literally just wrote the last check to our builder for the home edition that we are putting on, which is basically doubling the size of our home here on the lake. and. Tomorrow morning. Uh, well, tonight we're going to have heat, so that is magical. We're going to have actual heat in our entire house with an actual heating system, not just like a glorified space heater. And we're they are taking the wall down tomorrow to to merge the two spaces. And so it's just so serendipitous, you know. And and it's like I just pay such uh, homage to the former version of me who was brave enough to believe when she really didn't have any reason to believe (laughs) like she didn't have proof yet but she did it and so for those of you guys that hear this it's like you will have to take that courageous leap and you will have to at some point you know just be prepared for the net to appear you can't have all the t's crossed and all the i's dotted it just doesn't work that way and that's why doing the deep work to know who you are, to know what makes you tick, to know what sets your heart on fire, to get that clarity around your purpose is vital because that's going to make way for you. And it's going to be the thing that gets you out of bed in the morning and moves you through the disappointments and moves you through the fear or the anxiety that rises up and in being an entrepreneur is, as it does, right, Andrea? I mean, it's just, yeah. it's part of it. You know, it's part of it. And it's all about doing that deeper inner work. Um, and I just highly recommend, you know, working with a coach, working in a program, not doing this thing alone because it's really, really hard uh, no matter what. And having other people who can empathize and cheer you on and lift you when you're having the hard days is invaluable.
0: Mm. Yes. And one of the things that I kind of want to touch on because I, uh, your background in terms of like where you were going into that corporate career and just like that person that you were and just go, go, go to do this like oh, yeah. so focused. I can totally relate. I think a lot of people, if they played a college sport, like you just, you have to be, if you're going you to pass your classes and do a sport, you know, those are the things you have to have in place. Now I feel like we can kind of get lost. And I know I did for many years, you know, even running my own business, like in that kind of transition where you still just are push, 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 and you just burn yourself out because you just keep mm-hmm. pushing. Can you talk about like ways that you were able to push? Cause obviously you have to, when you have your own business, there is that pushing but then also being able to kind of just lay, you know, just kind of lay back and be like, it's okay to relax. How do you find that balance in your life? <laughs> yeah,
1: that has taken me honestly up until I would say n- now. I <laughs> mean, it's taken me all the days of my life to, to be um, good at that, honestly. And I remember back in a former relationship of mine, I was with this partner and he was, he was, he would always say like, just relax, like just relax, everything. And I'd be like, what do you mean relax? I don't have time to relax. And I'm also, was, I was also raised by, parents who, you know, I I mean, on the weekends, they'd be coming in my room at like 637, turn the light on and being like, let's go. We got work to do. You know, one of them would be out for a run or doing a biathlon or doing a kayak race or skiing or something. Or, I mean, my parents are go, go, go. They're 69 and 74. And, you know, my dad still does kayak races. He still works part time. He still, I mean, he does all these things. My mom too. She's, they're always doing things. My mom's like, I got to get my walk in today. It might be negative 10, but I'm going from, you know, and so that was just like a, a core value of my family, like hard work. And I think, um, I mean, I'm, I'm a new Englander too. So there's like a little bit of that, like new, it's just the way it's just how they are. And I know for you, like being raised on a farm and all that too, it's just how it is like you, you just, it, it, you just get it done. Mm -hmm. You have to work hard. And so I didn't, I don't know how to not do that. Um, I I remember thinking as a kid, you know, I did really well in school, but I never thought it was because I was bright or exceptionally intelligent. It was just that I was willing to work extra hard and I struggled in some of my classes, but I would stay after, I would get help from the teacher. I would do extra credit. Like I just worked so hard. It was one of those things like, I will always outwork you, you know, on the soccer (laughs) field, like I will outwork you and I'm not, I'm never giving up. And so I think that um, that's a that's a, an incredible skill and gift to have as an entrepreneur. Um, it's not something you can teach. It's yeah. really, it's like raised in you mm-hmm. um, and it's developed over time. But the relaxation thing, um, I've had to really, I, I would say that the doorway for me around that was getting honest about what was going on with my health. So clearly mm-hmm. adrenal fatigue, um, gut issues, All kinds of things, all kinds of challenges, Uh, and so working with a a naturopath team and having support and help uh, and identifying, doing testing to look at like what is actually happening. um, It it was like I needed proof, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like I needed the proof. Like oh, I really okay that those numbers are all red. Okay, (laughs) so we should probably do something about that. And I think getting the physical help, the 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 health support. Um, my body has come into alignment and therefore my body is saying, yes, I'm not getting up at 5am. I need to sleep longer. Um, and now I actually sleep through the night, which I was something for years I wasn't able to do. And, you know, you come off of having a child who doesn't sleep through the night. You spend years, like how many of us mamas spend years and maybe still, I mean, sometimes our daughter's five, sometimes she still doesn't sleep through the night occasionally. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it's just trying to be softer, you know, trying softer and uh really practicing what i preach in all of the things that i teach in my in my work in my own life uh but again i don't want to profess that i've got this nailed down but i but i will say i work like 15 hours a week basically max maybe 20 if there's a launch coming up and i don't work more than that and i won't because that's not what i signed up for that's i'm here to be present for my family for my life for myself um, t- for, for the moments I can't get back. And I just refuse to spend, you know, that, that many hours chained to a desk. It's just not worth it to me. And, um,
0: and, and I've built a really successful business with that, that ideology and that philosophy. I love that. And just having the boundaries and space around that. Cause I think so many of us think that like even running your own business, you have to be working at all times. Uh, I was just having this discussion actually with a client of mine and, um, we were just talking about that, like how, you know, sometimes like I have many people who still run their own business and work 60 hour plus, you know, work weeks and just, you know, feel like tired and they're always drained and they should,
1: I mean, let's be real. like That's insane. Like that. And I, and I did it, but so it's like, we can do that for a season to make that, Leap right, like I did that for a season, but Not I knew- like a
0: thirty-year career. No, your- no, I like one I did. Has, and it's just like, oh my gosh, no wonder you're right. tired.
1: And, and again, like if you are happy, then yes. fantastic. But if you give yourself the honest invitation to ask yourself, like, am I actually happy, or have I just made a decision that this is how life has to be, and it's and I'm suffering and I'm in misery? Well, girlfriend, we we need to make some changes, right? We need to make some changes. But again. Nobody can make those changes for you and me, and so we have to get to the point where where we're ready uh, to make those shifts and some of us, and I like to use this analogy a lot, you know some of us it's a feather that just tickles us and says, "Oh, that's not comfortable, I don't want to do that anymore, and we make the change. Some of us we need the brick that that wakes us up and shakes us out of our out of our stupor <laughs> you know and and then there's the special ones of us that need the Mac truck, which is laying down an operating room table, strapped down, unable to breathe. And I would highly recommend not going that that way but but again, this is we all are on our own individual journeys and so we're going to get whatever it is we need to learn in the way we need to learn it. And that's why doing the mindset work early and focusing on alignment early and listening to our bodies, learning how to listen to what our bodies are telling us early. My body was telling me, but I wasn't listening to her. I was just pushing her because I had been trained as a division one athlete to tune out my pain. Mm -hmm. And so I had to unlearn that because my body is, is so incredibly wise and she has so many things to tell me but you know all those years of not even having a period and having knee pain that had me taking four a leave a day which led ultimately to a stomach ulcer of course it did yeah. i couldn't i couldn't listen to those things because i was so focused on my my goal and i also made my goal mean something about my worth yeah. and so if i didn't achieve that then what what did i have mm. so there's a lot right there's so much here but i've got my own number um, and I've been doing this work now for my whole lifetime and I just have so much compassion for her because she did such a good job and she did the best she could. And every little sacred step of this journey has led me to the life that I get to live today and the opportunity to be relatable to others because I've lived through so many of the things that, that many of the women that I'm coaching today are, are struggling with.
0: Mm. And one of the things that you always say is um, if the dream is in you, it's for you. I love that. And I think sometimes we get stuck, as you just said, with the worthiness piece of like, maybe like, do I actually deserve that? Or writing down, Hey, I want to earn X amount of money. And then being like, but do I, do I need all that money? You know, we just start to doubt ourselves and just feel like, why, why should that be for us? Do you Mm -hmm. have any tips around like helping people just step out of that? Like, no, you are worthy.
1: Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I feel like we always have to kind of go back to the origin, right? And we have to recognize where it came from that's that's how I unravel everything. It's like I bring out the little ball of yarn and I start unraveling it just to get to the center of it. And when it comes to worthiness, um, we have to be real. you know let's be completely clear and honest. The people who raised us were so well intentioned in most cases. They did the best they could, and the life circumstances that they were dealing with were far different than the ones that we are dealing with today. Nobody was saying to them, you know, sweetie, you're worthy of love. Mm-hmm. Most of them weren't even being told that they were loved. And if we rewind to the generation before them, most of them were definitely not being told they were loved as they were being raised in the Great Depression era here in the US if you're here in this country, right? But if you weren't in this country, you're also dealing with lots of other things internationally. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think about like my grandparents, two of them came over here on a boat, now, when was the last time you sailed across the Atlantic Ocean or the Pacific Ocean on a boat, right? It's like, we have to remember that this is our heritage mm-hmm. and the suffering that the, the former generations went through was passed down. And a lot of the coping mechanisms that they needed for actual survival were passed down as well even though they're not necessarily relevant for you and me today in the modern society we're living in so just like the the you know the physical things that were passed down and how things evolve over time the mindset the scarcity thinking the fear based the great depression era all of that was passed down to us and we're using this old programming in, in this modern society. And so one of my favorite analogies to, to help people kind of get their minds wrapped around this is this notion of like, oh, all I need to do is update my hard drive, right? I need to update it. And I need to be putting in new, new thoughts, new ways of thinking and being and operating. And that's why you listen to podcasts like this one. This is why you read awesome books. This is why you go to live events. This is why you work with a coach, because you're upgrading your mindset to become more current with where we actually are in society and getting on that cutting edge and operating in a multidimensional universe, not just in a one-dimensional way of living. So, so I think that that is, that is a really important approach to this. And when we think about worthiness, I just want to say to my sisters, like, of course you feel unworthy look at look at how the world runs look at look at society look at just pick up a magazine you know it's like there's a woman on the cover and they're talking about how wonderful she is and then you open the 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 pages and you see three pages in and there's like who wore it best and they're putting people down and they're capturing women in awful you know angles and calling them fat and saying awful things about them and two months later they have a comeback and now they're on the cover and it's like it's a joke Mm-hmm. You know, it's all just a big joke. It's a big scheme and we have to unplug from those things. We have to look in the mirror at who we really are and what makes our heartbeat faster and what excites us and start focusing on what is mission critical and what is not and stop letting other people tell us what the definition of worthy actually is when it relates to us.
0: Hmm. Yes, I love that. And yeah, we have seven generations of you know, our relatives living in us. So that is like something that is real and true. And I think sometimes people get kind of freaked out about that, but like we just did a healing thing um, in our Ayurveda class, um, Tarpana it's called, and it was just about tapping into an ancestor and seeing who came up. And a lot of the times like that could be the first, the first person that comes up is usually where a lot of healing needs to take place. And like, it's a very powerful thing. And it's a very real thing. If you start kind of healing some of that stuff.
1: Yes, and it and it takes work and it takes commitment. But <clears throat> I believe that at least having the consciousness and the realization around it, it's incredibly freeing, right? Isn't it? It's so oh, freeing gosh. because it helps us to recognize that we are that we are not alone in this, that that we we can
0: do this work, that we can move through this work. And it's just gonna take time. Yes. Oh, I love it. And then Um, you know, just kind of wrapping up because I do want to talk a little bit about, um, like, you know, what you do and like your work with women. And one of the things that I really like, you know, that you kind of stand for is helping people kind of journey back to, you know, you say coming home to themselves and having that work in their business. Cause I think so many times, especially if you're just starting a business, you kind of like what formula should I follow or who should I be? Should I be doing this because X, Y, and Z is doing this and I should follow the exact same thing. But you really help people kind of like come back to, well, what would work for you? And what do you think about this? So can you talk yes. a little bit about that? You know, we have to commit to our inner work before
1: we try to apply the outer strategies to you know, take our businesses to the next level. And you know, I'm really passionate about our brands being the portal through which we get to come home to ourselves. And I know that this business that I've built has has helped me do that, you know, in a million and one ways, and it's helped me to be more free than I've ever been. Uh, but what I've learned, and this is actually, I can give you an, a specific example that is in basically in real time, um, as it relates to uh, my, the re- like my proof, if you will, <laughs> around this. Um, so, I am part of Lewis Howe's Mastermind, and it's been an incredible experience, and I've had the, the blessing to meet some of the most successful online entrepreneurs that are in the space, um, in, in working with them in the Mastermind, in having personal, intimate conversations with them, learning about how they create their funnels, how they build their businesses, like all of those things, right? I have access to all of it. I've learned all of it. And I've try, I feel like I've tried to do all of it <laughs> in many ways, um, even when it didn't fully resonate for me. What I have learned, I would say in this last year, most especially, is that um, I've learned how to have the courage to sit with a suggestion or sit with a strategy or something that you know someone else is doing, they're having great success with, and then innovate it or disruptivate it and, and shift it so that it will better serve me and my audience. And a perfect example of this is I made this decision, and again, take this with a grain, sisters, because this is a strategy that I'm applying in my business, and you can totally borrow it and use it and shine it up and use it however you want to use it, but it might not work for everybody, but it does work for me. Uh, so I decided to do this masterclass class uh, approach to teaching, and I'm a live teacher. I love teaching. I love being on camera. I love being at live events. I love just like getting my hands in the clay with people, answering their questions, working with them. It's it's my, one of my greatest passions and she's really and good at it.
0: I will tell you that. Thank you.
1: Thank yes. you, sister. I love I love it so much. I love the privilege and the honor of getting to see someone and support them and know them and, and just like go there with them. So so I've decided I was going to do these masterclass trainings and uh And I was just going to, I'm going to do them. I'm just going to do them every month. And instead of like, you know, doing these big launches and this whole thing, like launch, I've done the big launches. They never work for me. Mm -hmm. I always get burnt out in the middle of them. I write the thousand emails. It doesn't feel resonant. It just feels, I don't know. It just doesn't feel, you know, yeah, it feels forced and it feels very contrived. And, um, And so I basically, you know, pulled the plug on that, but obviously kept bones from it because they're, it's a, they're great models, but I needed to make it mine.
0: Yeah.
1: And so I did that in November um, of 2018 and we ended up having a $60,000 launch after doing the masterclass training. And I mean, we had like over 400 comments on the chat. Um, We grew the list by like 500 just with that. Uh, and then in December, which as recent as just last night, so I'm still in the, you know, in the midst of like waiting to see what kind of happens with the conversions. Um, but we did another masterclass and this one was called goal mapping into 2019. And I don't know what happened last night when I did this training, but I literally like the divine guidance that came through, I was on fire and <laughs> the women were, we, the, we were all crying. It was just like, it was unbelievable. It was one of my, my most favorite trainings I've ever done. And, um, And there were, I think it was like 350 comments and 100 people were on live. And that was like 300 people signed up for this thing. I barely even promoted it uh, because I'd done a bunch of travel before. And we still grew the list by 300 people, had 100 people live. And uh, we've had, I think like six or seven breakthrough call application forms come through. We sold the summit, Uh, a new, new inner circle mastermind member and a new VIP accelerator member came through. And it's like, this is just a really different model and yeah. I'm doing it very differently, but my business is set up very differently and it always has been. And it's because I've just chosen to rebel against the the traditional and to... Look at what is working for somebody and go, okay, that feels good, but that doesn't. That feels good. That doesn't. And then design a model that I know is going to authentically connect with my audience and make them feel the way that I want to make them feel, the way that I want to support them. Um, And here's here's the caveat. If I don't know myself, if I don't know what my gifts are, if I don't know who my audience is in relationship to that... Then I'm gonna struggle with that in a really big way, and so it takes time to figure all of that information out. But the the thing that I must focus on, that I must focus on most, is knowing me and honoring me, and and doing things in my business that help me stay in alignment. Period.
0: Mm, I love it. Now I'm like, shoot, I should have signed up for the class. Oh, I you, can go day,
1: you can still go. You can go to amberlilashroom.com forward slash masterclass because I have. Um, because all the master classes are inside this Facebook group, and each month I'm just going to launch a new one. So people are just going to keep growing in that group, and then they get to the benefit of getting to see each master class that comes out each
0: month. I love it. Yeah, I love smart, that idea. Right? Oh, so that's so cool. And I love that about like knowing yourself and just kind of testing that. And that's kind of like what I've been doing this last month. Well, yeah, it's been a month now of like just like social media detox. And I'm like, oh, we'll see how it affects business. Yeah. And yeah. it's, actually been quite quite fine like i've had no issues like i've still gotten new clients i've grown my list and i've had people like buy my online programs just who i don't know and i'm like wow oh, this the is best, crazy really. and i'm no yes. online presence essentially so yes. like go girl like, just doing it your way i mean it totally is like just trusting yourself well and,
1: and it's because like, here's the other thing andrea We're, like i think we leave this part out of the equation when we get all human up in here but we are co-creating with spirit we are co-creating with divine forces, you know, there, there's so much more at play that's actually happening. It's like why intuition and serendipity and why, you know, all these synchronistic things occur. It's because it's called alignment and you are, you're getting into the highest vibration and frequency as you can get into. And that makes you a magnet to attract in the energy of other people who are ready and who need your services. Mm.
0: I so love that's it. Like yeah. my,
1: that's like really my greatest marketing strategy, but you know, <laughs> the humans want human stuff. So I say, okay, we'll do that too. But ultimately this is really how it's happening.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. I love that. And it's so true. Like, yeah, I, I totally agree. And just trusting that and trusting yourself. And I think that you do a really good job of helping people kind of come back themselves and trust themselves as I totally know I have.
1: Mm. Yes. So thank you, you have come so far on it and you've worked really hard at it and it was because you were ready and it's just so inspiring to see you, Miss Medicine Woman, doing your mm. sacred work in the world.
0: Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. So if people are like, okay, I want more Amber in my life, where can they connect with you at?
1: They can find me over at amberliliastrom.com. Just really simple. And all of the things are there, all the stuff. Um, and then they can also connect with me on Instagram. I love Instagram. I love doing stories. Um, I'm there all the time. So those are probably the two best ways. I also have a podcast called the Amber Lilystrom
0: show. Perfect. And now I always finish on one final question. And, um, I have, when I have guests on, I have you guys throw out a little weekly challenge to all the listeners. So what would you like that weekly challenge to be?
1: Okay. I would like that. And I've actually done this on another podcast, but it was a long time ago. And I think this could be really powerful in helping you identify the places where you're holding yourself back. Mm-hmm. So I want you to pay attention in conversation when you use the word just. So I'll give you an example like, oh, I, I just had a hundred people come on the live or I am just doing this side gig or this side business. Or I just, it's like, we, you know, I just need you to help me with that, da that, when we use the word just, it's because we're typically justifying uh, or criticizing ourselves in some way, shape, or form. It's not, it's not generally the most positive term when we use it. Oh. So I, it's a tricky one because people are like, oh, really? But I want you to just pay attention this week to the times when you're using the word just to justify why you're asking for what you need. And Andrea, you know this. When I do my live uh, calls for my accelerator mastermind members, what I always say to them at the beginning of the call is, "I want you to ask for what you need today on this call. I don't want you to feel like you have to give me a huge backstory or i or feel like you need to justify why you're asking for what you need. We need to get in the practice sisters of simply asking for what we need because we know it's it's what's going to help us grow and support us and whatever. Don't justify it. just ask mm,
0: I so love that.
1: that's my challenge. I think that that could be um Very illuminating. And I, and I hope if you guys want to shoot me a DM on Instagram or whatever, I would love to hear what comes up for you through that challenge. Oh, I love
0: it. Yeah. That one's a great one. And I, those are some things that I work on in my moon circles as well. Cause we're just so, I mean, as women, we just tend to do that. It's just being like, Oh, this, this little thing or just not ask for what we want. Right. Like go, don't go to the restaurant. My mom is the queen of this.
1: She'll look at the whole menu and be like, Oh, Amber, they have this. Oh honey, they have this. Oh, Ani, they have this. And I'm like, mom, great. I can read. What do you want? You know? Oh, I don't know. know." And she doesn't prioritize herself at all. And it's like the natural nurturer in her, which as we know, when you're a mom and you go out to eat with your kid, you often are like, do they have mac and cheese for the love of God? (laughs) Do they have the thing my kid's going to eat? It's like the oxygen mask, right? You know, but the reverse of that, (laughs) that's what we do. We reverse it. Like we say that we should put ours on first, but you know, you'd be putting it on your kid first. Mm -hmm. So Mm This is an invitation for us, uh, to, to, to take up space and to ask for what we need and to, to not be a martyr either in that process. Mm. Cause that's not fun either. Like, let's just girlfriends, like we need, we need all of us to step up and to claim what it is that we need so that we can all expand and grow together. And we can also model that for our children as well.
0: Mm. I love it. Thank you, Amber, for all of your wisdom.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yes. Thank you so much. And everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power. Thank you so much for listening to the peaceful power podcast. And if you want more information about today's show, head on over to andreaclawson.com, where you can also find my free guide to working out for your body type. And if you haven't already, I would love it if you could rate and review the show over on iTunes and share it with any of your friends that you think would benefit from hearing the peaceful power message. Thanks again and go out there and spread your peaceful power.